1: Well, just when you think everything is going sideways for the good guy, it all pans out. Hi there. Welcome to Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. Today we're back in Esther, chapter eight, verses one through seventeen. It's here that our teacher and pastor, Jessica Stand, gives us a look at the outcome of those who are faithful to God and why God hath highly exalted him. That's the title of our message today as we continue our series through Esther. Here's Pastor Jessica Stand with today's broadcast of Way of Grace.
2: Haman has been raised to the highest level except the king. Do you know what that means? The king is viewing Haman as his own eyes. And ladies and gentlemen, this happens in all governments. It happens in your government. It happens in our government. Our government frequently demonstrates that our president hires persons in his cabinet that he thought he could trust. And then come to discover that they got all kind of skeletons in their closet. So don't get all beside yourself about the fact that the king chose a man who didn't actually have the honor integrity of the office. Because it just happens. It's human. Is it human? It's human. Can I teach? Right. So Adam and Eve had two boys. You know what their names were? Cain and Abel. If they had known who Cain was, they wouldn't have had him. Noah had three boys. You remember their names? Japheth, Shem, and Ham. If Noah had known what Ham was, the father of the perverse nation of the Canaanites, he'd have never had him. Remember Abraham and Lot taking off to go to the promised land? God didn't tell Abraham to take Lot, but Abraham took Lot anyway. If he had known that Lot had a propensity for homosexuals, he would have never took him because they had to divide anyway, didn't they? Right. Yeah. Listen to me. It's only human. Mm. It's only human. And then we get to Moses where God tells Moses through Jethro, you've got to uh, have rulers and judges over tens and hundreds and thousands. Remember? Well, that's a liability, isn't it? Halfway through the wilderness, what does Moses find out? Half the rulers want to kill him and Aaron. Num- uh, Numbers chapter 17. Koradathan and Abiram rising up. You take too much on yourself because they don't see God in Moses and in Aaron. What did they do? They made a mistake in assuming that these men are men of character and honor. That's just a liability of government. Are y'all tracking with me? I can go all the way to the New Testament. The Lord intensely chose a devil. So we don't want to jump on Xerxes, Because I guarantee you, if you have to have four people that you hire to work for you, one of them going to rip you off. Because that's just the nature of kingdoms. Xerxes is human just like you and me. He's given a power way too big for him. And that's why Nebuchadnezzar said it. The God of heaven and earth, the God of Daniel, he rules in the kingdoms of men and gives it to whomsoever he wills. And you know, by the time... Uh, Cyrus comes on the scene. Cyrus already knows that. Cyrus says, God chose me to run this world and to set Israel up. That's another message in about uh, a chapter from now. Who is Cyrus? He's Xerxes' great-grandfather. Xerxes' grandfather is Darius. Actually, father is Darius. Who is Darius? Darius is the one who raises up Daniel to be just like Haman over everything in the kingdom so that the kingdom doesn't have any damage. Read it, Daniel chapter 6, verse 2. And you know what it said of Joseph when he ran the house of Pharaoh? Even Potiphar's house, but both. They both said, I'm just going to leave it in your hands. That's what kings do with the second in command. As God the Father leaves everything in the hand of Christ. Am I making some sense? Because he can trust him. But see, we have these antichrist type paradigms for us to learn the nature of the mystery of iniquity. Am I, am I boring you? The nature of the mystery of iniquity. So God allows evil, wicked men to rise up to penultimate places of power in order to show us the scheme of redemption and the tension of the battle between the elect and non-elect. And Xerxes now is rubbing his head and saying, I let this fool get next to me. I let this fool get next to me. Can I tell you the next revelation he had? God hath blessed me with a good wife. The Lord has just blessed me with a phenomenon. You know, he's dancing in the Holy Ghost dance right now out in the garden. Oh, he's gonna, he's gonna clean house in a minute, but he is happy right now. Let me help you get it. He's happy because he has a good wife. And the proverb says, he that findeth a wife findeth a good thing, a good thing, not a woman, a wife. I already told you, you might be a woman, but you may not be a wife. better figure out what it means to be a wife, because to be a wife is something totally different than being a woman. You got to be taught how to be a wife. Y'all didn't figure that out now after about five years of marriage, right? (laughs) Ten years of marriage. You're not a wife until you learn the office and the calling and what that requires. You can really discover that you're a poor wife. Am I making some sense, ladies? Right. Some women are not meant to be wives. Just women enjoy your life. You don't have the skill set. You don't have the tolerance. You don't have the patience. You're not ready to reverence your husband. Just let him go. Just keep it keep it real. Just I'm good with Jesus. Jesus my husband. Jesus my husband. Keep it real. You and Jesus can put up with you. I can't. See, the reason why I have to go here is because if at the end of 12 months, you miss the principle of honor, you're not going to be any better next year in your marriage than you are now. You're not going to be any better. So you can talk about adopting First Peter chapter 2, 17, all you want. Honor all men, but you don't honor your husband. You're, you're just a mess. You're a mess. And husbands, if you don't love your wives, you can't talk about honoring anybody if you don't love your wife. You guys hear what I'm saying? We're trying to do better this year, are we not? We're trying to do better this year. Right? And the Scriptures lay it out. You can see the paradigms. You can see the hoopadon. You can trace this thing out and see Christ, the hope of glory, running through the text. Can you not? Do you see him? Do you see him running through the text? King Xerxes realizes that he has a good wife. And the Scripture says, whosoever findeth a good wife findeth a good thing and obtains favor from God. What did God do? Favored Xerxes by the first move before the diabolical evil one made his move. Remember, God raised up Esther before the wicked one was raised up. That was the first block in the chess move. Then once the wicked one was raised up, what did God do? He pulled another move and brought a bishop up. What's his his name? Mordecai. God's always two and three moves in front of the wicked one, right? That's what I meant. The goings of a man, you know, are are not of himself. How can he direct his own steps? Even the devil is merely doing God's bidding. Wicked Haman going all the way back to the Agagites, hated the people of God all the way back to the Malachites. And God says, I will have war with Amalek, rather, Amalek all the days of my life. And here we go. God's winning the war again, isn't he? Is God winning the war? and God will win the war in your life too. If you're a child of the living God, God will win the war in your life too. Your Haman has to go down though. Your Haman has to go down. You have to say, Lord, kill the Haman in me. Kill the Haman in me because I actually want Mordecai to reign in me. I want Esther to reign in me. I want Xerxes to reign in me. I want honorableness to reign in me. I want God to rule over my life. I don't want to walk in the flesh. I don't want to walk carnal. If you leave it up to me, I'll destroy every good thing you give me. (laughs) This This brother was out in the garden. He sees it. For he saw that there was evil determined against him by the king. This is Haman now. Haman got a revelation going on now too, don't he? Look at verse 8. Watch this. Look at verse 8. Here it is. I love this. I love the way God works with his scripture because some of us realize that humor is a tension reliever, isn't it? I can't just be stuck on the cliff the whole movie. Draw me back from the cliff. Take me back from the cliff, okay? I don't have enough constitution in me to handle the whole movie without breathing. Can I exhale? Because the next verse is going to be hard. So let me just breathe a little bit here, right? So the king goes out, and the text says, uh, uh, going back to verse 8, I'm sorry. Let me see here. Uh, oh, no, it is. That's, that's, uh, that's verse 8. I'm sorry. Go to verse 8. Here it is. The, then the king returned out of his palace uh, p- palace guard into the place of the banquet of wine, and Haman was fallen upon the bed whereon Esther was. Brother, that's a bad position to be in. <laughs> Brother, that that that's the last position you want to be in when your enemy kicks the door in. That's not gonna work. Hey, watch it. Ain't no explanation for that. Now you know what I love about God. Follow me now, because this is true. What I love about God is He'll show you how a man might devise his way, but God's gonna direct his steps. That. Many devices be in the heart of a man, but the counsel of the Lord, that's going to stand. And when you haven't repented by the incremental steps of God exposing you way back, because see, God was exposing him way back, but he still thought he could hold on with his plan. Instead of just dropping on his face the moment he found out that the Mordecai that he wants to kill is the daddy of the queen, I'd have quickly cut that plan off, wouldn't you? I'd have rushed into the king with another lie and said, King, you know what? Remember that decree we were talking about last time? That was dumb. I got the, watch this, I got the wrong people. We, we, we got to fix this. I got the wrong people. Can we, can we, can we, can we counterman that decree? Because I got the wrong people. It's called repentance. But when your heart is hard, even when God is exposing you, you won't repent. Because you're trapped by your iniquity. The cords of your sin are taking you, and you must now face the consequences. This is what's going to happen to the whole world. By the way, for those of you who are married, what did Haman try to do between the queen and the king? But what the devil does in every marriage breach it. Breach it. Because if you can breach the power of the husband and the wife, you can tear the whole house down. Is he the devil? Yes, he is. and the works of the devil, he will do. Breach the house. But you see, the king was infuriated, as I told you last time, because the king understands his wife to be him. So Haman's hatred of Mordecai is his hatred of Esther, which is the same as his hatred for the king. Will you hear me? The king realized this dude hated him. Yes, he did. Do you hear me? I want to help you get this before we go ahead on and shut it down. Because there ain't but one more point I'm about to make. And that's called lights out. Haman, that ain't going to be hard for you. Okay? But I want you to get this. See, this is why you got to be careful who you hate. Told you this a few weeks ago, didn't I? Be careful who you hate. Now, hatred is anger that burns in the bosom of only fools. It is a delusion of your mind when you think you can live in a sort of state of deportment where you have this burning hatred towards someone as if they are nothing, they are not, they ought to disappear, be annihilated from the world. When you're holding that kind of hostility in your bosom, you're a child of Satan. Anger rests in the bosom of fools. Now, no believer is a fool. No believer says that there is no God. And the fool saith in his heart, There is no God. No believer does. You may struggle with your anger. You better help God, ask God to help you. That's Matthew 5 22. Jesus said it very plainly. Don't say fool to anyone. If you're angry with your brother, it's like murder. You're under the judgment. And it's a sweet morsel in the mind and hearts and mouth of people who don't have the security of God. See, anger rests in the nations of our world. The nations are angry, and your wrath is come. And the time that you should judge the dead is here and give reward unto your saints. We've learned that, right? Men and women walk around angry every day. The only thing that's going to put that fire out is grace. Can I keep talking for a few more minutes? Haman was an angry, proud, self-righteous, narcissistically driven self-idol. Remember, he wanted everybody to bow down to him. Insane. Insane. So you guys do understand as we learn when God made him to exalt Mordecai that he really wanted to be the king, didn't he? He really wanted to be the king. That's Isaiah chapter 14. I will be like the most high God. I'll sit on the sides of the north. I'll rule over the people of God. Haman actually wanted to take Xerxes out. How do you know? To take a man's wife out is to take him out. All right. This is where honor calls upon us to be loyal. You hate my wife. You hate me. Did you hear what I just stated? You hate my wife. You hate me. Don't talk to me as a friend and you hate my wife. But we enemies. We're enemies. That's, see, that's where, that's where Xerxes just, he said, let me get up. Let me get up. Let me get up. Let me get up. I love this. Almost done. Almost done. One more point. Point number five in your outline. Uh, No, go back to point number, point uh, point number four. And let's, let's just look at this. Look at this. Look at what it says in verse uh, 7 through 9. 7 through 10. Are you there? And the king arising from the banquet, uh, verse 8, 8 through 10. Then the king returned out of the palace garden into the place of the banquet of wine. Haman was fallen upon the bed where Esther was. Then said the king, will he force the queen also before me in the house? And the word went out of the king. As the word went out of the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. I love the narrative. Remember I told you, Haman was swooped up in the providence of God last week, and when providence has turned against you to expose you, it's going to move so fast you can't do nothing about it. Isn't that what I said? He's trapped by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God to expose him for the criminal he is. And if I had time, I would read Proverbs chapter 26 for you and show you how the litany of the language of he's whose heart He whose hatred is covered over by silver like a posture shall be exposed before the whole congregation for his hatred of the people of God, for his malignity, for his slander, for his cursing and bitterness. The judgment of God will be poured out upon him. We see this, don't we? Listen to how quickly it closes. They covered Haman's face. Haven't y'all seen that in movies? That's, That's Persian tactic for saying, brother, lights out. This is the last time you're going to see the day. And just by uh, uh, fate, a biblical principle, whoever rolls a stone on somebody, that same stone is going to roll over him. Whoever digs a pit in, in other, for others to fall in, that same pit they're going to fall in. This is retribution. Verse 9, here it is. And Harbana, one of the chamberlains, said before the king, Behold also the gallows, 50 cubits high. 75 feet high, which Haman had made for Mordecai. Well, watch this. Who has spoken good for the king? Standeth in the house of Haman. Then the king said, Hang him on it. But I tell you, there are no movies better than the scriptures. This is just good stuff. This is just good stuff. What I love about it are the morals and the ethics and the principles and the rescue and the tensions and the deliverances of a God who stays righteous in everything he does. He stays righteous. Verse 10. So they hanged Haman on the gallows he had prepared for Mordecai. Then was the king's wrath pacified. Pull up our next point. I want to share this quick, with you quickly and give you one all-encompassing, all-encompassing gospel principle and i will send you home. Here it is. This is the portfolio and resume of, of, of Haman, which is exactly the opposite of Mordecai. Now, you'll notice what was said in verse 10. Hang him on the gallows that he made for Mordecai. Watch this. Who had done you good, king. Who had done you good, King? Now, what I said to you last week was the works of Mordecai manifested themselves as the care for the king, preserve the king, protect the king. His good works manifested themselves. I asked you last week, what were the good works of Haman? None! But there are works of Haman. And you know what they are? Evil works. Evil works. Listen to it. The five demonic characteristics of Haman. He is irreparably what? Self-centered. He is a slanderer of the people of God, is he not? Did we not capture that? He lied about them, who they were, what they did, and what they benefited or not to the king, right? He's a slanderer. Now, who is self-centered and the epitome of self-centeredness? The devil. Who is a slanderer but the devil? He's the accuser of the brethren, is he not? He is a hater of those whom what? God loves. And John told us in 1 John, no murderer hath eternal life. Number four. Here it is. He is a usurper of another man's what? Did not tell you last week that it was really Haman's job to have found out what Mordecai did and to actually promote Mordecai before the king. If the king makes you second in command of everything, shouldn't you notice, give notice to the king of all of the people doing good in your kingdom? That means Haman would have known what Mordecai did and suppressed it. As I told you last week, as an ethic, when you have the ability to do good to someone, to honor someone, don't hold it back. Because in holding it back, you defraud them. See, honorable people are not looking for personal reputation. You render good to where good is due. if for no other reason you want it back, every man will reap what he sows. I want good seed to be sown and get good fruit, don't you? And so here it is. Fifthly, he is an antichrist child of the enemy of God. Why? He exalts himself. Did he exalt himself? Did, Did Haman exalt himself? And what did the scripture say? whosoever exalts himself will be what? Abased. And he that abases himself will be exalted. Who's emerging in our text as the honorable servant? Mordecai. Mordecai is going to go from strength to strength now. We're going to see the glory of the gospel represented in Mordecai as a type of Christ, going from strength to strength. Remember the battle between Satan and Christ? And Christ dies on a what? A cross! Cursed is the man that hangs on the what? Didn't we just read that about Haman? He wanted to hang Mordecai. He ends up on that tree. Now watch this. In a strange but very consistent typology of the gospel, the gallows is a type of the cross of Christ. The man that should have hung on there is Mordecai, who is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. The man who ends up on there is Haman, who is a type of the wicked one. What is the gospel? Because Mordecai was not hanged, it means that he was not the Messiah. So when the Messiah comes, he doesn't escape. When Messiah comes, he does find himself under the judgment. When Messiah comes, he does bear our sin. He does bear the wrath of God. God's wrath is poured out on Messiah on the cross. But guess what happens on the cross? The enemy is killed, Haman is destroyed. Haman is destroyed. Now watch this. And God's wrath is pacified. God's wrath is pacified. God's wrath is pacified. The saints have been justified. Christ has been exalted and resurrected and reigning on the throne. And from henceforth now, all the people in Shushan are going to reign with Mordecai over their enemies. Do you see the gospel? God is glorious, isn't he?
1: Studying God's Word, that we might show ourselves approved, that we might come to a deeper love and understanding of God's amazing love for us in Jesus Christ. This has been Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Stan from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. We are always delighted and grateful that you take a few moments to spend with us, that we might, again, study to show ourselves approved. And as we leave you today, we would also leave you with an invitation to join us for worship in person. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Pastor Jessica Stand and Grace Bible Church of Hayward, please consider this a formal invitation to spend Sundays with us. 11 a.m. is the worship service, 10 a.m. if you would like to join us for Sunday school. And don't forget, Friday evenings at 8 p.m., we have enjoyed a marvelous time of studying God's Word with brothers and sisters in Christ from a variety of churches all over the Bay Area. That's at 8 p.m. Friday evenings. For directions and more information, simply stop by our website, grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Or give us a call, 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. If you're looking for a copy of today's program, you can either contact us by phone or mail, send $5 and we'll get a CD out to you, or stop by grace Bible.com and download the audio file for free. The address if you're writing to us is 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California, 94541 is our zip code. And one final note, as we conclude our time together today, we're able to come to you daily here on KFAX because of friendships and partnerships with people such as you who see the value of this ministry. Now, while it is free to listen to, for us, there is a cost, and we are a listener-supported ministry. No matter the size of your gift, it's greatly appreciated. So would you take a moment and pray about it, and then contact us with your gift today? 510-886-9782 510 886 9782 is our phone number, or write to us 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California 94541. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Until next time, God bless. not
2: they might say, we love Jesus anyway. I care what they might say, we love Jesus
0: anyway.